A lot of announcements this week. What position groups have been boosted? We're going to tell you because Rob Rang's with us today. Could it be the running backs? You know some of those names. Could it be the edge rushers? Because there are more than just two in this draft. I promise you all. And then there's a couple of safeties that you need to get into. We're going to tell you all about it here. Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft. Your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs and hello everybody welcome to another episode of the locked on nfl draft podcast i am your host former nfl and nfl defensive back eric crocker and of course i'm joined by my guy ryan tracy rob ring and we want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day today we're getting into some prospects some guys that have declared some underclassmen and we really want to start with a guy who is returning back to westwood ucla Play with Chip Kelly, maybe his quarterback, uh, Zach Charbonnet. So that was surprising to me. And it certainly sounds like Rob is kind of surprising to you as well. Yeah, it absolutely was, Eric. I mean, that, that's the thing is uh, January 17th, that was this year's deadline for underclassmen to make their early declarations into the NFL. Um, and I was stunned when Zach Charbonnet uh, announced just a couple of days before that, that he was going to be returning to UCLA and Chip Kelly. Now, um, you know, at the same time, you understand why. I mean, Chip Kelly just turns out running backs uh, like nobody's business. But at the same time, considering that Zach Charbonnet has struggled with injuries, um, early in his time with the University of Michigan, made that transfer over to UCLA and just had the splashy breakout performance that he had this year. I really thought that he would be turning that into, uh, you know, a, a trip to the NFL. Um, but at the same time, he is not. And so instead, uh, this year's running back class is, is still a pretty solid one. We talked before in leading up to the national championship game with, you know, guys like Brian Robinson Jr. And, you know, and he, of course, had a pretty splashy performance, um, you know, through the playoffs for Alabama, but you know, let, let's talk about some of the other backs that uh, you know maybe aren't getting quite as much of a, attention. Um, I, I think the one guy that that isn't getting much love at this point, but is going to. Um, once the, the coaches start watching the tape, not just the scouts, um, it's Tyler Iger from, from BYU. I mean, he's 5'11", he's 215 pounds, he catches the ball really well. He is a powerful back, uh, you know, um, powerful downhill kind of a back. And the reason why I say, guys, that I'm not so sure the scouts are going to love him is I just have some reservations about a straight line speed. I think we're talking about a guy in the high 4.5s, low 4.6s, but at the same time, we've seen an awful lot of running backs have a great deal of success in the NFL running at that speed. So to me, he is a guy that the coaches are going to like. Fans out there who watched him, especially those who were scouting BYU Zach, a little bit, Zach Wilson. watching Zach Wilson. Yeah. And they're like, who is this back? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's Tyler Algier on the kick and play. You, you you know, you talked about questioning kind of his his long speed and what his 40 might be, but man, it seemed like every game that you watch, you know, while you know evaluating Zach Wilson, you see Algier. Breaking off into the open field. Now, maybe we could use the same thing that we've talking about for Zach Wilson, especially that last year. He didn't play against the best talent, right? Teams like Texas State, North Alabama, some of those schools. So 
and you know, they're they had some office alignment that were drafted as well. So, you know, you could see how maybe they would just impose their will on opposing defenses that might not be up to their uh caliber of talent. But it seemed like more times than not, he did a really good job of just his vision, his contact balance. That was a big thing, how strong he played. You know, he kind of ran with like that wide base, but then showed the breakaway speed. You know, Ryan, was there anything that you have seen from uh, Algier that maybe stood out to you a little bit? I'm glad you mentioned contact balance. I wasn't going to use the term because I always forget that one for some reason. I'm a mental block. (laughs) But when I've watched a couple of his games, and I haven't seen the film yet, I've just seen live broadcasts. He actually reminded me, at least in two phases, of a back that is renowned for his contact balance in Kareem Hunt. And that another guy that's not a burner, but once he breaks loose, he has that ability to shake tackles, kind of throw some of them off. And he's a good pass protector. And that's what I appreciate about him. That's honestly what I think will get him some reps at the next level. The only question I have, there is the long speed thing, but I didn't see him catch the ball enough. So I don't know if that's just an underutilized part of his game or if that's something that he has to develop that isn't quite there yet, Rob. Did you notice that? Uh, I I did. I noticed that – you know, when I watch Algier, I, I see a guy who can pluck the football out of the air. Um, you know, there's I, I think that sometimes you see these running backs who have an awful lot of catches, but a lot of more simple dump offs and things like that. And so when, when you go back and you watch some of the catches that they make, are they always just kind of hitting them in the belly and they just kind of secure the football or are they actually reaching their hands out and pulling it out of the air and adjusting it? And that's one of the things that I thought Algier did, um, you know, in his limited opportunities but as a receiver. I also I I love the fact that you just mentioned Kareem Hunt and contact balance. I think that is, again, to Eric's point, one of the things that really jumped out to me as well about Algier. And I think is one of the most underrated elements of evaluating running backs. Everybody focuses on the damn 40 yard dash. And I think that's the, the most useless statistic when it comes to truly evaluating running backs. Can you take a hit? And keep moving forward. Can you keep your balance? Um, and, and I think the Cream Hunt was one of the greats uh, at that. And I think that Algier has that. And then I love the. I'm going to make this kind of a maybe not as efficient segue, but still a segue here because you mentioned something right in there that I think is absolutely critical, and that's pass protection from a running back. And that is what I did not see from the other running back that I want to highlight here, in Brees Hall. I mean, this is the most productive running back in the entire country over the last couple of years. I mean, running for almost 2,000 yards each of the last couple of seasons, ran for a touchdown every single game this past year and all but one game the year before that. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable statistics. Um, Love the contact balance, love the power, love the determination. I like the hands out of the backfield. But in terms of pass protection, guys, it was frightening. There were some real whiffs, some real just questionable, uh, I don't, I'm never going to say effort, but at the same time, it just did not look like the tough guy in pass protection that he absolutely is as a runner. And that's something that I think is going to break up this running back class a little bit and why guys like Brian Robinson, we talked about before from Alabama, might move up. Um, you know, because of how versatile he is, whereas Brees Hall, a guy who is just, I love the way he runs the ball, but he has got to become better in pass protection if he's going to wind up being the, the top 50 type of draft selection that I think his talent suggests he should be. And I mean, you, I'm glad that you touched on the pass protection because that's something that gets a little undervalued, I guess, from like, you know, the kind of the Twitter scouts or people that are just kind of, you know, looking at film and they look at all the exciting things, how a guy runs, you know, we talked about contact balance, having that 
moves on top of moves I like to see from running backs. The breakaway speed that we talked about, Algier, maybe, you know, lacking a little bit. But one of the more important things, especially in the NFL, they want to see can you pass protect? Because if you can't, then you likely won't see the field, especially as a rookie. And that happens for a lot of guys. Now, you know, moving forward, we're going to talk about some edge rushers from this class. A couple of guys that you guys may have heard about. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about OnlineGambling.com. And if you're looking for an edge these days, you like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge throughout the playoffs. They are providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help your bets be as informed as possible. So just now, before we got on here, I was talking to Ryan about a money line bet that I'm trying to do between three teams, a nice little parlay, make a big chunk of money. But I'm more than if OnlineGambling.com could advise me to do otherwise. This week, the experts at OnlineGambling.com, you know, they set a challenge for me to pick divisional round upsets and underdogs that, in my opinion, you know, I can pull out a huge victory. I think the 49ers uh, plus six against the Packers on the road. They might be able to do that. You know, if you're thinking about backing an underdog in the divisional rounds, make sure you head over to OnlineGambling.com before you do, all right? It's going to give you the better, the edge, and provide you with the best and most trusted information to help you make the most best decision possible before placing your bet. That includes their OG tip section where, you know, you'll be able to see their own underdog picks as well as the inside track on how to beat the odds throughout the NFL playoffs. So, Make sure you visit onlinegambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, that's onlinegambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs and make you some money. All right, guys, let's talk about a couple of defense alignment that you want to talk about. And, you know, I, I, you know Rob, I want to start with Mike Kafua. All right, because he's out of Utah and he hasn't gotten as much love or been in the spotlight as much as the other guy that we'll get to. But first, I want to ask you, you know, what stands out about his game to you? Just physicality, want to, uh, determination, kind of the classic Utah football player. You know, he was, um, you know, in a in a conference, guys, that has possible first-round pick in, let's say, Drake Jackson from USC. Um, absolutely a, a top-five cinch in Kayvon Thibodeau. It was Kafua who was is selected as the Morris Trophy Award winner, um, which I, is one of my favorite awards. I am honored to be uh, part of that, uh, part of the, the the crew that that works with the Morris Trophy. And um, it is one of my favorite awards, not just because of, I get that honor, but because it truly is about offensive lineman voting who is the best defensive lineman in the league and the defensive lineman voting who's the best offensive lineman in the league. There's no coaches, there's no media, there's no fans. So it's, it's just talent and game rep, you know, recognizing talent and game. And I just love that. So with Kafua, he is kind of, again, that classic Utah guy. He's not going to run real well. Um, you know, he, but he, he really coordinates his legs and his, uh, or his feet and his hands very well. Um, he does have some burst to him, a little bit more burst than I think that a lot of times you see Polynesian players that get kind of stereotyped as just being big, strong guys. He's got some upfield burst to him. Um, and, and he, again, he, he is a strong guy. He, he makes a lot of effort sacks. He's not the kind of guy who's going to be drafted nearly as early as some of the other twitched up pass rushers we're going to 
see this year, guys. But at the same time, Kafue is the kind of a guy that I think that somebody is going to wind up getting a little bit of a, of a steal with probably in the mid rounds, maybe even on day three, but a guy that you want on your team, just because he's the kind of guy that, you know, kind of wears the hard hat and you got to have that kind of mentality on the defensive side of the football in the NFL. Are there any comparisons to former uh, Utah outside linebacker, Pita, Pita, I don't even want to butcher his name. Uh, Pita Taomua Ponu, (laughs) Utah. Uh, He was drafted in the sixth round by the 49ers a few years back. So that's a guy that kind of is still kind of fresh on my mind. Yeah, I I think a little bit. Um, You know, to me, I... I think what we've seen under Kyle Whittingham is he goes for kind of types. And, and so to me, he's, he's that type of a guy that, um, you know, he, he's six, three and a half. He, he's 255 pounds. Um, they, he is a guy that can stand up and rush off the edge. He can be that, that four, three defensive end. Um, you know, I don't know that he is ever going to become a, a 275, 280 pound kind of a guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to see him kind of be reduced inside the way that you've seen some of the, the Utah defensive linemen in the past uh, do that. But at the same time, I also don't think he's athletic enough to be able to drop back into coverage and be that kind of linebacker is the way some of their other edge guys have as well. So uh, to me, he is, again, he's that kind of classic Polynesian Utah player in that he is just like a dog on a bone in terms of his intensity, but at the same time, just not the elite athlete. And that's why I would not be surprised if he winds up being drafted as that that former 49er you just mentioned, yeah, uh, maybe in the later stages. Yeah. Top three words on my eval of him from the couple of games that I've seen is motor, motor, motor. He, it's those effort plays that you mentioned, but not explosive, like you said, but he has a tendency to be self-actualized. If he's not going to get there, he has a great tendency at playing the ball in the air, a number of batted balls, returned a couple. I, I think that's a knowledgeable player that you can put to use, and especially if you can acquire him on day three. I think he guys, he's a guy that can play a role for you in substitution packages, give you that kind of crush the pocket type pass rush and everything else is gravy after that. And I think one thing you guys both kind of touched on, like the lack of just that pure athleticism. And when you are a guy like that, who, you know, six, three, two fifty five, a little wiry, you would like to have that, you know, big time athleticism coming off the, uh, the edge, that bend. And it seems like that's something he's lacking. Uh, do you see the same thing in Walker out of Georgia? No. And that's one of the reasons why I think that these are two really good, uh, pass rushers to kind of talk about that really are are very different. You know, kind of like we talked about before with the running backs and Algier and, and some of the things that make him special, um, you know, whereas with Brees Hall, he, he has a real definite uh, Achilles heel, so to speak, in, in, in the struggles and pass protection. When, when I see Kafua, I, I see struggled with bending around the edge. I think he's pretty stiff in his hips and his, his core region really struggles. He can get upfield, but he doesn't turn the corner very well. Whereas with Trevon Walker, uh, I think that we're talking about a guy who is just a different level of athlete. Now, I wish that he was as productive as Kafua and as consistent as Kafua had been. Um, but I am intrigued by the fact that uh, Walker finished up his career in, in fine form, getting a sack against Michigan, getting a sack against Alabama National Championship game, uh, wound up with, I believe it was a career high six sacks this past season. And, you know, let's be real, guys. We, we know how much talent Georgia's defense had. We talked about that ad nauseum all year long. So um, the, the fact that, that Walker does have that um, athletic ability, I think he's going to be one of the guys who absolutely test through the roof um, and is going to create that much more buzz for himself. But at the same time, I'm not so sure that he's yet 
the player that Kafua is. And so to me, they're kind of the polar opposite kind of guys. Um, and I am intrigued to see which one's going to wind up actually becoming the better NFL player. I know which one's going to get drafted earlier. Walker's probably going to go in the first round despite the fact that I think he has, you know, as many sacks over his career as Kafua probably had just this past season. But at the same time, again, the difference in athletic ability, the difference in level of competition is very much in Walker's uh, advantage. Big thing for me is, is the effort to crush the pocket. And I like his bull rush. I want to see more, like you said, I don't think he uses his athleticism to the maximum Walker. I want to see more, Ben. I want to see the rip through. I want to see more hand technique. I think he's got a lot of upside there in terms of getting his technique down, getting a pass rush plan a little bit more than just attacking the chest and seeing what happens because that's what comes off to me in a lot of his games. Um, I haven't gone over play-by-play on the championship game. Everybody seemed to raise their their game a, a little bit. Uh, not maybe a whole level, but a little bit there uh, to close out the season. So I'm interested to see if there's anything that I missed live. Yep. And that explosive ability, man, that was one thing that definitely jumped out to me, especially in the national championship game. You know, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the some secondary guys, some safeties that people are talking about. Our first want to talk to you guys a little bit about TurboTax. You know, people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax, live experts, that's what makes everything interesting. All right. Maybe you inherited a condo and you're renting it out to, you know, and you want to get paid in crypto and you aren't sure exactly how to get taxed on that. For TurboTax live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You know, luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has the experience and your unique situation. And you can ask all the questions and they have all the answers for you as far as your tax goes. And, you know, it's right from your phone or your computer. You know, they can take care of everything that you need, including the entire filing process, which helps for everyone that's on this podcast right now, because we have income that come from all these different places. You know, whether you launched your own startup or you're working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, as are we, an experienced TurboTax live expert can help you during this entire firing process to do your taxes, you know, start to finish and help you with all of the deductions that you deserve. All right, visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They'll do your taxes into it. TurboTax Live. Okay, guys, let's talk about some of these safeties. And I want to talk about one of my, you know, he's starting to be one of my favorite prospects in this class, and that's Daxton Hill out of Michigan, a guy who isn't the biggest of guys, especially for a safety position, but shows some versatility. And I think in today's game, in the NFL, you have to have that versatility to kind of show the ability to not only play too high safety or single high safety, but also come down and maybe guard some nickels. And there are some people that are talking about Daxton Hill out of Michigan as far as being not just a safety, but maybe playing some nickel slot as well. You know, Ren, you know, you're writing an article and you're talking about some of these guys. What's some of the things that jumped out to you right away about him? Yeah, just the the positional versatility that you just talked about. I mean, just the fluidity. You know, there's not a lot of safeties that move like this guy does. And, you know, I've talked to some NFL clubs that think that his uh, future position is going to be a starter at the nickel cornerback spot. And I say starter because, of course, we all know 
that uh, that nickel corners are essentially starters in today's era where, with the offenses that they we see. Um, and, and that's a critical spot now. I mean, just how quick, uh, you know, a lot of those uh, slot receivers are, how large some of them are now as well. And so if you have a guy who has some safety experiences, used to match up against tight ends, um, you know, and used to, you know, being down there in the box at times and is used to being, you know, near all those big bodies and they might be able to match up a little bit better. I, I really like Daxton Hill. Again, his his positional versatility, his agility. We talked before about the, um, the lack of flexibility in the core region with Kafua, the edge rusher from Utah in our, in our last uh, segment there. To me, that's one of the things I'm most excited about with Daxton Hill is just how well he moves, how much I think, or how well I think he's going to wind up working out uh, for scouts as well. I think that he's got a chance to be a first-round selection. And when we start talking about safeties, all anybody ever wants to talk about is Kyle Hamilton. And I think the Daxton Hill is going to be another one who might sneak into that late first round, maybe the second round, but still it's going to wind up being an early selection. And I think a guy who's going to play a lot early on for his NFL team. I like him in space too. I got to say, like, I, I almost feel you have to have nickel corners. They're, they're required. Like you said, they're starters in today's league. But I don't feel that that's necessarily the best way to use him because I like him in space. Like, I want to see him play a Tyron Matthew-type robber role and have that ability to roam and make plays happen where he doesn't have a, a specific assignment that locks him up too much. Um, I, I want to see more ad-lib as well. I think that that's, that's in his repertoire, and I'm looking forward to see who brings him in. And actually, if they do kind of like put him in a role um, – Eric, I don't know if you if you prefer one role or the other. I know nickel is probably the most difficult position to play in the secondary in terms of, of having everything going on around you. But do you think that's a good spot for him? Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think definitely, like Rob said, he has the movement skills to be able to do it. And I think the physicality, too. I think that's an underrated part of being able to play in that nickel spot. Most people just think, you know, coverage. But you're right there around the line of scrimmage. There are some teams that run a ton of 11 personnel. And if so, you have to be stout against the run game. So I definitely think he can help there. You know, even if he is someone who you do line up in a nickel and sub formations, you know, he's also somebody in your base that can play too high and he can be utilized more in space like you uh, are are calling for. You know, I think a guy, you know, we want to talk about Bubba Bubba Bolden, you know, 6'3", 204 pounds, safety out of Miami. You know, talk to us a little bit about him, Rob, because, you know, he has a kind of a different, skill set as opposed to Daxton Hill. Yeah, he's more of the thumper. That 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 classic kind of strong safety guy who's going to put people on their backside. Um, you know, kind of like we talked about before with Algier at the running back position, I think is going to be underrated um, because not a lot of people know who he is just yet. Um, and I think again, I don't think that he's going to work out very well, and so it's just going to create that much more of kind of a negative slant. And he may wind up going on day three, and I think he's going to outplay that. Same thing again with Kafua. Um, I, I think with Bubba Bolden, the fact that he unfortunately had to go undergo surgery was limited to seven games this past season for Miami and he plays to physical 
successful brand of football, I mean, safeties with shoulder injuries tend to drop on draft day because teams are worried that if they got hurt in college, they might wind up getting hurt in, in the pros as well. And, and this isn't his first injury. He struggled with the ankle injury previous to that as well. But my goodness, when he is on the football field, it's like your eyes just naturally go to him because of the big hits that he creates, his his instincts. I, I, like, I love the, that Ryan mentioned that he wants to see uh, Daxton Hill a little bit more in space and, and be able to try and take advantage of that flexibility and, and make some kind of improvisational plays on the football. Bolden didn't have a lot of interceptions and things like that, but he was always around the ball. He was creating turnover opportunities for his teammates. He's a good football player that I think is a lot of people are kind of sleeping on a little bit in this safety class, which I think is a pretty good one. Um, but again, everybody wants to focus in on the kid from Notre Dame and for good reason. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of good safeties in this class, guys. And, you know, it was definitely boosted by this underclassman, uh, you know, addition. I think when you, uh, when you're looking at safeties of his stature and his size, tough thing, and again, like we talked about with Daxon Hill, the, the fluidity and change of direction. When you're 6'3", you know, 205-plus pounds, that starts you start to have a little bit more limited uh, movement skills with your feet, your change of direction, your hips. Things start to get a little bit tighter. You know, uh, you might have to be used a little bit more of a certain specific way as opposed to Daxon Hill, who is more versatile. So that's one thing I want to see how – uh, Bubba Bolden ends up testing if he's able to, you know, work out and he's healthy enough to do so because, you know, that's people are going to, you know, they're going to like zone in on that. You know, how does he flip his hips? How does he change? Can he play man coverage on guys? You know, that's going to be a big thing. And we, there's a guy, you know, playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, uh, curse. Number 20. Curse. You curse. Know, J. Ron yeah. Curse. He, he's a guy who, you know, is that bigger guy. Didn't run extremely well, ran well, but I mean, you know, it's 6'4", 200-plus pounds. And I'm like, well, what do we do with him? Well, now they just kind of created this big nickel position for him where it's like, hey, you just go guard tight ends. And maybe that's something that Bobo Bowden, where you maybe don't want him off in space a little too much or matched up against like the smaller slot type receivers, but maybe bigger tight ends. He could be more, you know, useful against those type of guys. You know, I, I really want to see how he tests. I think that's going to be key for his placement within the league. Cause when I go back and I look at my notes from 2020, when he popped up, he did make a few plays from single high or split safeties where he still had a little bit before the injuries hit. So has he recovered any of that? Can he be versatile or is he going to get pigeonholed? Cause otherwise I think he's a day three selection probably later rather than early that maybe can help you out in a very specific way and certainly on teams, but I don't know what else is going to be there for him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, on that. I, I just think that, to me, he has that kind of mentality that he could be on teams, at least initially, and kind of work his way up. Um, the fact that he was the, the team's leading tackler and, uh, you know, each of the last couple of years, uh, to me, that that's what I want from that that traditional kind of bigger safety. As as Eric just mentioned, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he is the guy. I think he, it was almost like a Freudian slip there. You said the teams are going to zone in on him. I think that's where he's going to fit in best is in zone coverage. I don't think that he's got that. that that fluidity to be able to truly match up um, in man-to-man -man coverage against the speedy the speed, speedy receivers that you see in the NFL, but against the tight ends, um, you know, I, I think that he can match up in, in that regard. And that's, that is, is so critical in today's NFL. I don't know that he is a, you know, walk in and, and starting kind of a guy, but I think that he can be one of those rotational players that you can kind of match up on, uh, you know, on different tight ends, different big slot receivers throughout the league.
Nice. Well, we're going to be talking about all these guys and more. We're marching closer and closer, not only to the draft and draft season, but the Senior Bowl. I think we'll all be kind of arriving, what, in two weeks now? It's less than two weeks away. Can't wait for that. We'll be there live and direct, bringing you guys information on it every day right here on Locked On NFL Draft. We want to make sure that we tell you guys thank you for making us your first listen of the day. But from Eric Crocker, Rob, and Ryan, we are out of here. See you all next time. Peace.